Hello and welcome to the We're All Stories podcast. Stories are who we are and what we leave behind after we go. I hope you enjoy this one I put together for you today. Hello and the blessings of St. Patrick be with you. Tune in next week for our episode on St. Patrick, the man himself. Today is just a quick story from Ireland in honor of the day to tide you over until then. Enjoy. This is the tale of Oa Colonna Lear, the children of Lear. Long, long ago, when the world was young and much different from that which we now know, the land was greener, cleaner, there were fewer Starbucks, and people didn't walk around in masks unless they wanted to. Magic was wild, and the Tuaha de Danan still walked in secret. Some say they are still there, living unseen among us. Others that they are living under the hills in the land of youth here in Ninog, waiting to claim Ireland as their own once again. One of these magical people was called Lear. After their defeat at the hands of the Milesians at the Battle of Taltu, instead of giving up their land, the Tuaha de Danan vanished into their secret realm where they could not be seen, but they still retained ownership of the land, the hills, and the rivers. In the course of this fierce battle, the three kings of the Tuaha de Danan and their wives are all slain. A vote is taken, and it is decided that Bob Diarg should be their king. The people are all made happy by this, all except Lear, who thought he had been cheated out of the position. Bob is grieved when Lear doesn't offer his fealty, and he wants to make amends so the people could be united. Bob was fostering the beautiful daughters of Allyil, and he offered Lear his choice of these foster daughters. Lear chose Eve, the eldest and most noble of the sisters, soon after the couple were married. Lear and Eve are enormously happy together, and they have two children, a daughter Fenula and a son A. Misfortune falls upon them when Eve becomes pregnant again. When her time comes, she gives birth to twin boys, Khan and Fikra. But she does not survive the difficult birth. Lear and his children are shattered. Bob Diarg doesn't like to see his son-in-law and his grandchildren despondent, and he likely didn't want Lear to decide he was upset about the kingship after all. So he gives Lear another foster daughter, Eve's sister Aoife. Aoife loves Lear and his children, and for their part this love is returned. The children love their Aunt Mom, and Lear loves her as well. But the bond between him and his children, coupled with their shared grief, is powerful and cannot be denied. He dotes on his children and adores them. Aoife soon becomes jealous of the closeness of this relationship between Lear and his children, with her on the outside looking in. Though she loves her new family, and her new family loves her, she would always be an outsider. Aoife even feigns severe illness for a year to try and garner attention for herself. But though Lear is attentive and caring for her, he still spends all of his time with his children. Seeing she could not gain the entirety of Lear's love in this way, she thinks the only way she could ever be fully in Lear's heart was if the children were out of the picture. Aoife tries to have the children murdered by the servants, but the servants all love the sweet innocent children and refuse her. So Aoife decides to take matters into her own hands. At first she decides she would kill them with a sword taken from one of the staff. 
But though she wanted them gone, she did not want their blood on her hands. So she decides to drown them and make it look like an accident. While Lear is away seeing to his lands, Aoife tells the children they are going to spend the day at the lake. She gathers the guileless children and takes them to Loch Derbrock for the day. As she watches the children playing in the water, she is playing in her head how best to murder them. She determines that she does not want their spirits haunting her for their death. Yet she has to get them out of the picture somehow. Having an idea, she takes out her druidic ohm wand and turns the beautiful children of Lear into the most beautiful swans the world has yet or will ever see. Now, some say she felt remorse for this act, others of Fanula rebuked her, saying that she had powerful friends who would easily undo the spell. So Aoife puts parameters on it. They would not be swans forever, but they would spend the next 900 years in that form. She pronounced that the children would live for 300 years there at Loch Dervbrock, now modern Loch Dervra, then 300 years at Srundamwila, that is the sea or the Straits of Moyle, or the Northern Channel. This is the part of the Irish Sea between Northeast Ireland and Western Scotland. And a final 300 years at Inishglura, now Inishglora, an island off the west coast of County Mayo. They would know the time had come for their return to their original forms when a king of the north would marry the daughter of a king of the south, and a bell would toll out the arrival of a new religion across the land. Though they took the form of swans, they would retain their minds and their voices. Most versions use either the bell or the wedding, but some use both, as I have done. The deed done, Aoife flees back to the lands of her foster father. Bavdiarg is happy to see his foster daughter coming to visit him, but asks where his grandchildren are and why they hadn't come along. Aoife tells him that Lear did not trust him and that he would not send his children for fear that Bob would keep them for himself. Instead, he forbade her from leaving with his precious children and told her she must travel alone. This made Bob suspicious, but he thought no more of it. As Aoife was returning to the home of her foster father, Lear was returning home. When his children do not greet him, he begins to worry. Lear sends a message to his father-in-law inquiring as to their whereabouts. Bavdiar replies that he has not seen them, and wasn't it Lear himself who forbade them from coming? They were home with him. Lear tells him that the children are missing, and both begin to search in vain for the lost children. Lear searches the area with no luck until, despondent, he sits down beside the waters of Loch Dervbrock. Seeing their father sad, the swans fly over and sing to him. They sing to him the most beautiful music the world has ever heard, the music of the she. The astonished Lear recognizes the voices of his lost children and asks how this came to be. They tell him the story of Aoife's treachery. Lear sends word to Bob Diarg. Angry, Bob summons his foster daughter and turns her into an air spirit that is immediately torn and scattered by the wind. Some say that when the wind blows, you can still hear her screams and sobs on the air.
In other versions, she is turned into sea foam. In others, a bird, but a bird that was not permitted to keep its human mind and voice. She may be still wandering today. When you see a bird flying overhead, it could be Aoife, unaware of who she is. Lear leaves his home to live out his days with his children on the shores of Loch Derbrock, where, while it is not quite the same, at least they have each other. Some say Bavdiarg comes and stays with Lear and his children as well. It is declared throughout the land that no one was to harm a swan in Ireland for fear that it may be one of Lear's children. As all good things must come to an end, so did the children's time with their father on the shores of the loch. They spend the next 300 years miserable and buffeted by the winds of Srodnamuila. After this time, they go west to the rocky island of Inishglura. On their way across the country, they stop at the home of their father as well as the home of their grandfather. While the children had been swans, much had changed. Their beloved father and grandfather had long since died, and their castles crumbled to ruin. Only empty ruins welcomed them home. They arrived at Inishglura. It is a sad, cold, and lonely time they have there. With their family gone, they do not even have thoughts of home to keep them. They spend their days wandering the island, but by the bounds of the curse, they must return to Inishglura every night. On one of these forays, they meet a man named Ibrick. They tell him their sad tale, and he spreads the word of the sad fate of the children of Lear. During their time on the island, a man named Patricius, whom the people called Podrick, had arrived from Britain, sharing his faith with the people and making converts. One of these was a man named Moquivog, a student of Podrick's who had come to build a church on the island. In some versions, he chose this location because he had heard the story of Ibrick and was coming to give them sanctuary and to minister to them. One night, the swans hear the sound of the bell at Moquivog's church tolling matins. As he was at his prayers that night, he hears the most beautiful singing he had ever heard. In some versions, he hears the singing in a dream. Either way, he follows the fame music to its source and finds the swans, knowing them to be Lear's lost children. Though some versions do not have Ibrick, rather they tell their story to Moquivog who records it. Moquivog takes the children in and cares for them body and soul. He helps them chain themselves together so they could never be separated again. In this time, Lurignon, King of Connacht, was set to marry Diark, daughter of the King of the South, Munster. The King of the North and the daughter of the King of the South were marrying. Diark tells Lurignon that she wants the swans to sing so prettily which she has heard Moquivog has at his church. Wanting to please his new wife, he sends men to get the swans. They ask Moquivog for the swans. When he refuses, they try to take them. As one of the men's hands touches the swan, the bell tolls out and the children are instantly transformed back to their old bodies. As everyone marvels at the transformation, they perceive a change coming over the children. The 900 years they were trapped in the form of swans outside of time 
has finally caught up to them. Before the eyes of the astonished onlookers, the fresh, bright children wither and turn old. Sensing their death approaching, Benula gathers her younger brothers in her arms. She asks Moquivog to baptize them and hear their confessions. This done, the siblings lay wrapped together in each other's arms and with their last breath ask for a Christian burial together so that even in death they would never be apart. That is the story of the sad fate of the children of Lear. Some tellers of this tale say that Moquivog did not know the true identities of the swans, only that they sang the most beautiful music he had ever heard. When they transform, he is astonished and calls for his teacher, St. Patrick, to come see this miracle. While they are waiting for Podrick, their age sets in. Podrick arrives just before the end, in time to hear their story, setting it to paper. He baptizes them and buries them together, still in their chains, bound in this life and the next. I hope you all are having a grand St. Patrick's Day. In Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated very differently than it is here. In Ireland, St. Patrick's Day, rather than a drinking holiday, is a holy day of obligation. On holy days of obligation, believers are called to go to Mass. They are to refrain from work and entertainment. These days are to be treated like the Sabbath. It is a day to spend at home with family. Over time, most holy days have been reduced to only going to Mass, and special services in the evening or even the night before have arisen so it can be squeezed in around people's work schedules. Which days and to what extent they are celebrated differs depending on location and denomination. In Ireland, there are only two full days of obligation, Christmas and St. Patrick's Day. That should tell you just how important Patrick, or Padraig, is to them. I hope you enjoyed this, and if you are celebrating tonight, at home or out with friends, new and old, raise a glass for me, Slancha. Gara Mahagut. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you for our St. Patrick episode next week. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. This has been the We're All Stories podcast, a production of Ravenswing Studios. This story was researched, written, and read by me, David Huncherick. The music was written and performed by the supremely talented Brian Berger. If you liked what you heard, give us a like on whichever podcast directory you use. Doing a podcast is a real labor of love. A lot of time and effort goes into making this for you. If you would like to continue hearing new stories every two weeks, please consider supporting us through our Patreon page. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope to see you again soon.